I'm Aaron Schlein, and I'm here to help you turn your love of travel into a thriving business and a dream life. This is Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. Yeah, ho, my friend, Aaron here, and you have landed on episode number 18 of Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. My friend, the power of podcasting, it is real. And over at DramaticPodcasting.com, I've got a free mini course where I'm going to show you how to start creating your dream life using the power of your unique voice. Start your podcasting journey today at DramaticPodcasting.com. Notes for this episode are available at DramaticTravels.com slash E18. Right, off we go with today's guest, and my guest today certainly knows what it takes to turn wanderlust into a profitable business. She's joining us from her home in Twinsburg, Ohio. Her name is Amanda Williams. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Amanda Williams is the former journalist turned blogger behind A Dangerous Business, a travel blog that aims to inspire people to fit more travel and adventure into the lifestyle they already have. Since starting her blog in 2010, Amanda has traveled to more than 50 countries on six continents from her home base in Ohio, and she's been featured in major publications and websites like Afar, Huffington Post, and USA Today Travel. Amanda, this is Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. Welcome. Thank you so much. So let's talk about that blog. And let's just actually let's talk about the inspiration for that blog. You know, uh, the wanderlust that that we all have here in this travel space came from somewhere before we decided to turn it into blogs or in my case, podcasts. So tell me about your, your travel life. Yeah, so people are always curious about this. And the very curious thing about my travels is that I didn't grow up traveling very much. Um, Neither of my parents are really travelers. In fact, neither one of them had a passport until they were well into their 50s. So, you know, we did family vacations growing up, but it would be like we'd go to Florida or Virginia or kind of maybe on a cruise, kind of staying within that kind of safe bubble of the U.S. and North America. Um, however, I did learn recently that I have a or had a great aunt who was like a huge traveler. So my dad likes to joke that I must be Aunt Setka like reincarnated because she's the only person in our, in our family who had a travel bug of any kind. Um, so that's interesting. But I've always been kind of curious about the world and you know growing up I would I would read a lot like fantasy was one of my favorite genres and so I think just my imagination and and things like that made me very curious about the world that I didn't really know much about so I think that's probably where the curiosity for travel came from um and then that ended up turning into a blog kind of kind of naturally so when I was in university I studied abroad in New Zealand for a semester I was working on a degree in journalism. So while I was in New Zealand, I took some uh, travel writing classes along with some journalism classes and just found that it was really fun to write about what I was doing in New Zealand. So I started a blog when I was there, but it was just kind of a, hey, mom and dad, here's what I'm up to. I'm not dead yet because this was back in 2008. So this was like pre-smartphones. You know, I was really only communicating via email and that sort of thing. So it was just a way for me to kind of keep them up to date. And then fast forward a couple years, I was working full time at a newspaper as a copy editor, which in case you're not sure what that means, it means that I was editing stories and designing pages in in the newspaper, but it didn't really give me an opportunity to write at all. Um, So I really missed having that creative outlet. So A Dangerous Business was actually born just to give me somewhere to write. And I settled on travel as the theme of my blog just because since I had studied abroad in New Zealand and was really interested in travel at that point in my life, I just kind of figured, well, I already have some stories to tell. So let's just start there and see how it goes. So, yeah. That's interesting. What were some of your other options? Um, Well, I mean, I, I could have just done the whole, you know, I think when we were in high school, we probably all had like a live journal blog where we just blogged about anything and everything. So I suppose that would have been another option. But really, travel was the only thing that I thought, you know, like, okay, I could 
consistently write about this one topic all the time. So, yeah. So what was that like in the early days once you made that that clear commitment that you're going to blog regularly about travel? How, how did you set up your, your blog and your lifestyle so you could travel and then write and then work towards you know, building building a brand, building a business? Yeah. So, I mean, when I started out, like I said, it was completely a hobby. Like I never had any aspirations to turn it into a business. In fact, when I started in 2010, I didn't even realize that you could turn a blog into a business. It was very like rare back then for bloggers to be really making a lot of money through their blogs, especially in travel blogging. There were maybe a couple that were doing it, but it was kind of like not the normal thing to do at that point. Um, so, I mean, I started knowing very little about blogging, you know, I didn't know anything about SEO. I wasn't even really active on social media other than on Facebook. Um, so it was, there was a big learning curve and actually for about the first six months, I just kind of like puttered around and barely wrote anything at all. And, you know, I had my free WordPress site and, um, it was just kind of like, uh, I don't know, I've got this travel blog, but I have no idea what to do with it. But probably probably about six months in, I started reading more travel blogs and um, actually realizing that, hey, like these people are like, this is what they're doing. They're traveling the world and they're writing about it. And maybe I should start taking this a little bit more seriously. So it was, I think, mid 2010 that I went ahead and, you know, bought a domain name and did all the things you're supposed to do to kind of like get serious about blogging, I guess. Um, and and that's when I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to actually do this consistently, you know, publish a couple times a week and really focus on trying to grow this into something. I mean, at that point, it still wasn't really in my head that I would turn this into a business, but I just knew that I wanted to get more serious about it. And I'm, I'm definitely the sort of person, like when I take on a project, I really want to like, see it go somewhere. So I was definitely treating my blog that way as well. Um, but I was still working full time. And actually, I worked, well, I worked, I worked full time until the end of 2011, where I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree. So I was going to school full time and then working on the blog on the side. And then when I finished my master's, um, I started working part time for a social media startup. So it really wasn't until the end of 2015, that I decided my blog was going to be like, the only thing I was doing work wise. So I think that's a little bit different. I never really went into it. Like I've never been a digital nomad. I've never been traveling full time. I've always had a home base and usually a job of some sort, either on the side or as kind of my main, <laughs> my main income stream um, until the end of 2015. So it's been like three years now that my blog has been my full time career. Well, I like that. You, I pulled a quote off your website where you said that you never you've never given up your normal life to, to travel long term. And I think that's, that's a side of travel blogging that is kind of overlooked because you imagine this in this location independent lifestyle, the digital nomad always roaming the earth and writing and, you know, somehow managing to make a living just because of the technology uh, that we have here in 2018. But you've clearly defined yourself as someone who's not going to go down that route. And you've also at the same time to find yourself as someone who can make a living at this, a nice living. So talk to me a bit about that decision to, to have that anchor, have that home base yet still focus on earning your living, your living as a travel blogger. Right. Well, when I kind of decided like, Hey, maybe this is something I could turn into a career or make money from it. Um, I, I definitely 100% thought that that digital nomad lifestyle would be for me, that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but so when I finished graduate school in 2013, I decided, okay, I'm going to go on a round the world trip for like six months, seven months, whatever, and try this out, like try to just focus on the blog and freelance writing and all that fun stuff. And I absolutely hated it. I came home after three months. I was pretty much completely broke, um, <laughs> learned very quickly that it's much harder to try and run a business and travel than most people realize. Most people think like, oh, you're on vacation, you're writing a blog, it's easy. It's not easy at all, especially when you're first starting out, you know, trying to hustle to get those freelance contracts and make money from the blog. And and this this is still in, in 2013. So it's 
you know, now in 2018, there there are a lot more ways, I think, to monetize than there were back in 2013. So um, it was a challenge. And, and I actually realized that I didn't like being away from home for that length of time. Uh, I, you know, I, I missed my, my family. I missed, I was dating a guy at the time and it was just, it was a little bit too much all at once. Um, so in a way that the decision was kind of made for me, I just realized I'm not cut out for permanent long-term travel. And I think a lot of travel bloggers assume that that's what you need to do in order to have a successful travel blog, but it's not the case at all. You absolutely do not have to quit your job to travel the world in order to have a successful travel blog. So when I came home, I kind of had to reevaluate what my idea of success was going to look like because I just, you know, I was like, hey, I can't really ignore the fact that I did not enjoy what I just tried to do. (laughs) Um, So yeah, but it just kind of like grew naturally from there. And I found that actually having a home base and somewhere to come back to in between trips just helps me work a lot better and a lot smarter because I'm not stressing about working when I'm actually on the road um, for the most part because the trips I take now tend to be anywhere from like one to three weeks I say I'd say would be average and then I usually do one trip per year that's maybe like a month or like five weeks and that's kind of like my limit I found and I think that just kind of knowing what my own limits are, both just personally and professionally, like how I my my workflow and routine and that sort of thing has really helped me kind of figure out where I can fit in and, and what makes sense for me. So I think it's important that prospective bloggers realize that there's not a one size fits all type of setup for a travel blog. Absolutely. Well, and you've clearly made a, a commitment to consistent relationships in your life, you know, being able to have that anchor, be able to have that home base. So you mentioned that you were, you were dating someone during this period of your, during your nomad period. Was this someone who was back home? Yeah. Yeah. And actually we're married now. So, oh, okay, well, good. So it had a happy ending just cause I, I can kind of go in my head and imagine what that must've been like. Cause I traveled once for a summer. I was on for a whole summer, 12 weeks with a girlfriend back home. And it was, it, it was tough. And I just can't imagine doing that I, I didn't like doing it for 12 weeks. I couldn't imagine doing right. it any longer than that. And I know um, like Nomadic Matt wrote an article about kind of the downside or the, you know, the underbelly of being a digital nomad or, or long-term travel that people don't often talk about. And one of them was relationships. And I think you just, through your story, you're just highlighting the importance of having those consistent relationships in your life. And that you, that's something you, you give up if you, if you decide to just take that full, that long-term travel route. So it's so cool that you're able to really get both sides and be very clear on that vision. How did you get that clarity? How did you, you know, just sitting down and saying, look, this is, this is my journey. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care what everyone else is doing. Did you have to have a conversation like that with yourself? Not necessarily, but I think it was just because that experience of like, you know, trying it out, this whole long term travel thing, and then realizing I didn't really like it. I mean, as far as I was concerned, there really wasn't another option. It was kind of like, well, I want to continue this travel blogging thing, which I did, because I I love what I'm what I do. You know, I, I love traveling. I love writing about it. Like writing has always been the number one thing in my life that I've loved, like since I was a really little kid. So I kind of just sat down and was like, well, you know what? Like, I don't have to be a digital nomad. Like, why can't I write about travel from the perspective of pretty much every single American out there who, you know, has has a job, has a family, has responsibility, maybe only has 10 vacation days a year to play around with. Like, why can't I write for them? And so once that that kind of clicked in my head that, oh, hey, there's actually like a huge audience out there who doesn't want to read about someone who's nomadic. Um, you know, then then I realized that it, it's okay. Um, and that, that's another thing too. I think a lot of people who are thinking about starting a travel blog and do have that idea in their head that they have to be nomadic and they have to go be location independent and then they try it and they don't like it. They kind of feel like they're, they've failed in some way. And I really want to like dispel that myth because it's not a failure if you figure out that long-term travel just isn't a good fit for you because it's not going to be a good fit for everyone. Well, you touched on a great point too about having that clarity and that focus about your your readers. You know, who 
who are you writing for? Who are you providing value to? And if your audience, in your case, is quote unquote ordinary Americans, there's a massive audience for that. And it also gives you an opportunity to niche down even harder within that, you know, within that group, you know, and just to really just offer that incredible, awesome value. Because if your audience is everyday folks and you're writing, you know, your nomadic adventures around the world, they, that's not relatable for, for people in, you know, just everyday USA. And I think it was really, whether you realized you were doing it or not, it was very, very wise and, you know, a moment of clarity for you to realize that and then focus on that audience. So, so when you started, when you did go all in and you said, Hey, look, I'm going to, I've got this blog, I've got this clarity and I want to turn it into really take it to the next level as a business. What was your biggest challenge getting out of the gates and starting that monetization? Um, well, obviously just figuring out the best ways to make money. That that's always the challenge is the actual monetization. I mean, you you I mean at that point, so this it, it was 2013 when I decided that I wasn't going to be nomadic, but I came home and I, I did get a part-time job. It was a remote job, so I was still able to like work from home and everything. Um, but that's really the point where I was like, okay, I need to up my game on the blog. And then at the end of 2015, that contract ended and I decided to just go full time with the blog. So that was really like where my, I kicked my butt into gear <laughs> and was like, okay, I've learned these things over the past couple of years. Now I have to figure out how to actually like push for more and, and make this a, uh, a viable career with an income that's steady and that I can actually rely on to live on. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say the trickiest part was just trying to figure out how to monetize. I mean, there, there, there are some like courses out there to help and and that sort of thing, but it's really tough because for every blog, it's going to be different. And like you were talking about, you know, finding that target audience and everything, it really depends on your site. Your your audience is going to be different from from blog to blog, and so trying to figure out how to monetize to that specific audience. Um, definitely took some work and some time and, and I don't come from like a, a marketing or digital background. Like I said, my, um, my bachelor's degree was in journalism and then my master's degree is actually in uh, tourism management. So, you know, I've, I'm kind of self-taught in a lot of this. So the monetization did not come easy. And then I also think one of the challenges that uh, I think I still struggle with sometimes is just putting like a, a monetary value on your time. And also, um, I mean, it's weird. And I think this is something that a lot of female entrepreneurs struggle with as well, is kind of giving yourself permission to want to make money. Um, which maybe sounds weird, but there's definitely like this kind of line where you feel like, well, I don't want to bother my readers with advertising and I don't want to do this and seem inauthentic. But there comes a point when you just have to be like, hey, I'm providing all this awesome free content for people like I deserve to be making money for what I'm doing, because especially now this is my career. I don't know anybody else in any other field who would work just out of the goodness of their heart. So I think kind of pushing past that barrier of thinking like, oh, I don't want to bother people with trying to make money from my site. Getting out of that mindset really helped me figure out the best ways to actually make money. That was an excellent point. And you, you made me chuckle a little bit about thinking about doing things out of the goodness of their heart. Like where else on planet earth do, do people put in this much work and provide that much value and not expect anything in return? The answer is probably nowhere. Right. So tell me about those earlier days, just those early monetization strategies. What were you doing to make those first few bucks? Uh, well, I mean, I'd say I made my my first dollar really in like the first year of blogging, probably back in 2011. But that was back in the days when, you know, most bloggers were making money um, selling links and selling like cheap sponsored posts on their site and um, doing things that just aren't sustainable now, now that Google has really like cracked down on link selling and that sort of thing. Because back in 2010, 2011, like it was okay. It wasn't necessarily like frowned upon like it is now. Um, so just monetization of travel blogs in general has changed a lot in even just the past like five years. 
Um, so yeah, my first like little trickles of income definitely came in the form of like those sponsored posts and, and text links and that sort of thing. Um, but when I really sat down, so fast forward to 2015, when I was like, okay, this is now my full-time job. I need to do more than just, you know, sell a sponsored post here or there. Um, and so I really focused on trying to, trying out multiple different income streams. So at that point, um, I had things running like affiliate marketing. So I was in, you know, Amazon's affiliate program. I was using um, like Google AdSense and Amazon's CPM ads, which don't exist anymore, but they did back then um, to try and add some advertising to my site. Um, I also was working with the now defunct travel blog success to I wrote two courses for them. They were kind of like um, add on courses for bloggers. And so I was making some money that way. And it was just really a lot about testing out like what um, not only what worked for my audience, but also what worked in terms of the time investment that it cost me, Um, because obviously, you know, writing a course requires a lot more time than adding some affiliate links into your site. So uh, it was just a lot of trial and error as well. Now these courses, were these courses for other, these courses about blogging or the courses about travel for your readers? No. So these were courses about blogging. So travel blog success was um, really like the first member course out there that kind of taught you how to start a travel blog. So now Nomadic Matt actually bought it at the end of last year. Um, so now it's kind of rolled into his blogging course that he has. But um, my courses were about, I had one that was like working about working with brands, you know, and tourism boards. And another was about um, starting with affiliate marketing. Um, and so those, that was just, you know, a way to kind of dabble into courses, because I think it's, um, I mean, a, a very popular way for bloggers to make money is to offer some sort of product and for me, it was difficult for me to try and think up a product that I could offer to my readers that would be as useful as a product for other bloggers. And so I did it through Travel Blog Success because it was, you know, still connected to me and my blog, but I wasn't trying to sell it on my blog because obviously the people who read my blog are people who want to plan trips, not necessarily people who want to start blogs. So, yeah. <laughs> you hit on a huge point there. Absolutely huge. And I want I don't want to move on without talking about it. You talked about how difficult it is to to provide offers, products, and services to your audience, the readers of your blog. So you shifted towards the the idea that you could monetize by appealing to other bloggers. And now that, Amanda, is exactly what I'm doing right here with this this show. And the reason why is because talking to people like you and other aspiring travel entrepreneurs is that it is it's difficult to get that monetization strategy and it's even more difficult when you're trying to monetize your relationship with your audience. And so tell me about that, how when you made that that shift towards you know, monetizing your expertise as a blogger as opposed to your travels themselves. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it kind of just seemed natural because, you know, as as I've obviously learned more about blogging and gained all this experience, you know, I do feel like I have something to contribute. I have knowledge that is worth sharing. And I'm the type of person, you know, when I was in high school, I was convinced for quite a while that I was going to be a teacher when I went to college. Um, Of course, then I realized that I really hate little children. So that wasn't (laughs) going to work out so well. (laughs) But uh, I still I really like teaching people. And so it kind of seemed like a natural thing for me to try. And because I knew the people who ran travel blog success, it was just kind of like a nice, um, easy way to kind of like shift into that, that lane, I guess, of monetization. Um, I will say though, like, so, I mean, it was really fun to do that. And I enjoy teaching other people about blogging and I, the courses still exist, even though the travel blog success is gone. I've moved them over to a platform called Teachable. So they, they're still there, but they're like a super, super small portion of my income now um, because I found out that, I mean, I love teaching the courses and I love, you know, I'm excited to speak at TravelCon. I'm going to talk about affiliate marketing there as well. Um, 
But like what I really love to do is write about travel. You know, I like to write really informative posts that are going to help people plan trips better and, you know, kind of replicate the sort of stuff that I'm doing. So even though like the courses are great and I love, you know, teaching other bloggers, it's not it's not my main audience. So again, it's it's tough to monetize it. You know, it's tough to market those courses because there are so many travel bloggers out there. But let's face it, when you're first starting out, you, you're not making money. So you're not really willing to invest, you know, $100 in a course if you're not really sure if your blog's going to take off and that sort of thing. So I did that for a while. And now I've kind of shifted back to trying to monetize the content that's actually on my site. and. I mostly do that now through advertising and affiliate marketing. Well, and you, you, you illustrated how kind of both sides of both sides of your, your business that, you know, the actual travel blog itself. And then, uh, Amanda Williams, the, the teacher, the blog teacher, how those kind of work together because the, without the blog, you don't have the credibility to be a teacher. And the, the two things really do need each other. It's a great lesson for, the folks out there, especially just getting started, who are developing expertise, whether you realize you're doing it or not day after day, just showing up every day to work on your blog or or whatever it is you're trying to build in the travel space, you're, you're acquiring knowledge and expertise. And within a pretty short amount of time, if you put in the work, you're going to have expertise you can turn around and teach. And like I always like to say, if you're on a journey of, or if you're on step two of a thousand step journey, there's someone on step one who needs your help and you can turn around and teach them and, and help pull them along. And that's a great way to, to gain credibility and to, of course, to monetize. Amanda, you were, you were in it for several years, kind of getting started. You're putting in the work. Clearly you're showing up every day. And I love stories like that because it just shows that you were prepared for, to take that next step and to have that breakthrough. Can you just tell me how your just, your, your preparation during those first few years just really got you ready for that breakthrough. And maybe on the outside, it looked like you were maybe been, were an overnight success, but you knew that you'd put in those, you'd put in the work. Yeah. So, I mean, starting out and again, it's, it's really tough to compare blogging back then, you know, seven or eight years ago to blogging now because, oh my gosh, it's so different. I mean, you know, I was blogging before Instagram even existed. So (laughs) it was like kind of a huge difference, but Yeah. So when I first decided that I wanted to be serious about the blog, so I went ahead and like bought a domain name and and transferred over from that free WordPress site. I mean, gosh, I was publishing, I think, seven days a week. I was publishing something on my blog. Now, of course, back then, I still knew nothing about SEO and I was publishing like news type, like travel news and that sort of thing, partially because I was working at a newspaper. So obviously access to what was going on in the travel industry was was readily available. Um, But yeah, I just like went all in. I was publishing almost every day. I was reading tons of other travel blogs and commenting on them. I was I was doing Twitter chats. I was you know, kind of doing all the things that back then people told you you needed to do in order to build that audience. And, and my audience did grow fairly quickly. I mean, you know, I started a Facebook page, I started a Twitter account and kind of did all those things. And, and because I think I kind of like, really was hustling in the beginning, I I was able to grow fairly quickly. And so then as time has gone on, you know, growing my audience hasn't been quite as um, I don't want to say as stressful, but it's it was it was kind of a, a nice point to be at later on, as opposed to if you're starting a blog now, I think it's a little it's a little tougher to grow an audience the same way that I did when I was first starting. So I'm definitely very lucky <laughs> that I kind of got my foot in the door when I did. Um, but yeah, just kind of knowing all the, the time and the work that it did take to grow that audience um, definitely made me thankful for, for having put in the time and, and just being able to do that. So consistent, valuable content is absolutely huge. And you took it, took consistency to, to an incredibly high level with those <laughs> daily posts. So daily is clearly very difficult, but you've proven that it's, it's doable, but you had to have some strategies in place. Tell me about your process for posting a blog every single day. Yeah, so so back when I was doing that, I did absolutely have a strategy. And so what I would do is um I think I would write an actual new blog post like, you know, uh, about a destination or experience or something twice a week. 
And then the other days of the week, one day I would do a roundup of news and other like links to other blog posts that I had read that I thought were interesting. Um, one day I was doing an interview with another travel blogger. So that, you know, was an easy way to get some new content. Um, and then on the weekends, I think I was doing like a photo of the day on Saturdays. And then I would run a guest post on Sundays. And yeah, so it was just kind of like that that mix of different content types. And I think it also, I mean, number one, it made it much easier to be able to post seven days a week when I kind of had this like editorial calendar set out for myself. Like, okay, on Thursdays, that's my interview day. On Tuesdays, that's my news and blog post roundup day. Um, so just kind of dividing it up that way. And that way I wasn't writing a full, you know, thousand word blog post every single day because I, I don't know how anybody could do that. And especially at that point I was working full time. So I certainly couldn't have found time to do that every single day. And that editorial calendar, just, just having a plan, a step-by-step plan of attack to, 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 to execute your vision. And like you said, those themed days, I found that those are huge. Like today, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. This is my podcast recording day. I have back to back to back to back to back to back interviews for <laughs> almost nine hours, but I like it that way. It's, it's just a, this is my podcast recording day and it's easier to schedule. I just know what I'm doing from the moment I wake up. I know exactly you know what I'm doing, what my flow is going to be. And then when I you know flip, up, flip down my laptop tonight, I'm going to have nine podcast interviews recorded ready to rocks and just this bank of content that I um that I've got in my in my pocket the way you did with your blog. So I love that you shared that and just the idea of batching batching your work and planning everything out and knowing what you're knowing the step you're going to take next. It's absolutely huge instead of just staring at a blank screen every single morning. It's uh, it's absolutely huge. So Amanda, you mentioned, you know, that it would be more difficult for someone to 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 replicate what you did given just the the way that times have changed. So what would you do? What advice would you give to someone who's just starting right now in 2018? Yeah, so my number one piece of advice would be just you have to be willing to put in the work. Um a lot of people assume that starting a travel blog is really easy and the actual like physical aspect of starting the blog is easy because there are no barriers to entry when it comes to blogging. Literally anybody can go online and start a blog, whether it's like a free one on WordPress or Blogger or whether you're going to go out and buy your domain right away. Um, But, you know, there's no requirements. You don't have to have a, a certain degree. You don't have to spend a certain amount of money. I mean, it's literally anybody can do it. However, not everyone is prepared to really slog through and and put the work in for possibly years without really making a ton of money. Um, Even when I started out, and like I said, I started back when, you know, it was fairly easy to make money doing easy things like selling links and sponsored posts and, and things that we're just not really doing as much now as travel bloggers. I mean, I'm certainly not. um, But even then, you know, it took probably a good year of me you know, posting almost seven days a week and being very active in the in the blogging community before I even made a single dollar. Um, so I would definitely say travel blogging is n- definitely not a get rich quick scheme. Um, it might not even be a get rich ever scheme. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just you, you really have to be willing to put in the time and the work. And I think you also really need to be passionate about it too. So whether it's passionate about the travel and and passionate about the writing because you, you really have to love it all. Otherwise, it's it's going to feel like work. It's going to feel tedious and you're just not going to enjoy it. And I feel like the people who start blogs with the specific intention of making tons of money or they think they'll make tons of money, but they're really maybe not passionate about what they're blogging about. I really do feel like that shows through because blogs are so personal. Um, you know, that's really the difference between a blog and just a regular travel website is that a travel blog is going to be much more personal. I'm writing about my personal experiences and opinions, and that's what people are connecting to. Um, So if you if you're not passionate about what you're doing, if you don't enjoy traveling, if you don't enjoy writing about your travels, I, I just feel like that's going to really show through. So give us an idea of just the type of writing that resonates with 
with your audience or with an audience, but specifically with your audience, like what's the kind of, what kind of feedback do you tend to see over and over from your readers about what they like about your blog in particular? Yeah. So my blog's a little, well, I won't say a little bit different, but I've just found over the years that the type of content that I enjoy writing is much more like informative. So I do a lot of um, like itineraries or guides to cities or specific regions. And I don't do a lot of the very like personal storytelling type posts that a lot of bloggers are really good at. Um And that's just kind of how my writing has evolved over the years. Obviously, like a super personal post, like back when I tried out nomadic travel and the digital nomad lifestyle and hated it, I wrote a post about basically how I hated it. And stuff like that obviously resonates really well to the readers who are reading your blog because of you personally, Um, because obviously being open about your experiences and and maybe things that didn't work out that always resonates with people because they want to find a way to connect with you um but i i I also get comments a lot because i don't write those posts super often it's maybe a couple times a year that i get like really personal on the blog just because it's not it's not the kind of writing that comes super easily to me or that i enjoy doing as much as like the really informative stuff um But even with, you know, when I'm writing itineraries and stuff like that, like it's always in my voice, like I'm always making it personal talking about like, this is why I liked this, or this is why we we chose this activity or adding in, you know, maybe like a funny tidbit about something that happened. And so the comment I get the most is that like my writing's very like relatable, and that sometimes it's funny, or um, I guess just people can sense that it's it's really it's me, you know, I'm not like hiring somebody else to just like bang out a thousand words. This is actually like my personal experience on the page. And so I think that even when you're writing stuff that's maybe not not as like creative and not as personal, you can still add your personality into it. And that will still resonate with readers, even if maybe they don't follow your blog regularly. Maybe they're just finding you on Google but like if your voice is coming through and it's kind of an interesting voice, that's still going to make that piece a little bit better than the next one down that maybe has no personality to it. Well, and you've developed uh, over the years an expertise in, in affiliate marketing, which really uh, is something you it um, it compels you to to leverage that audience or that that relationship you built with your audience to to promote products. Can you speak about how you use affiliate marketing in your business? Yeah. So, so for anybody who's not really familiar with what that term even means, essentially it's just when you are recommending something, be it a service, a product, a a hotel, a tour company, whatever it may be. And you have an, a relationship with them where essentially if somebody if a reader clicks on one of your links and purchases the product or tour or whatever, you get a commission off of that sale. So it's a great way to monetize a travel blog simply because generally speaking, most travel bloggers are writing from personal experience. So let's say that I took a tour and I really liked it and I'm going to write a review about it. If I put my affiliate links in there, it's it's something that my readers still trust because number one, I've actually experienced this thing that I'm linking them to and can say whether, you know, I thought it was a good tour or whether I thought it was worth the price or or whatever. Um, or even if you're talking about a product, again, I, I really only write about products that I've personally used. And, you know, if I'm writing a, a packing list, for example, I'm only linking to things that I actually wore. And sometimes, you know, I've got pictures of myself in, you know, whatever it is that I'm linking people out to. So it's a, it's a pretty, I mean, not super easy because getting affiliate marketing set up is, it does take some time and you have to figure out how it all works. But once you get past that, it's pretty easy because you can work links in fairly naturally so that it doesn't feel like you're trying to just sell to people. You're actually offering them value with those links by saying, hey, this is the hotel I stayed at and that I really liked. Here's the link if you want to go book it too. So I find that that's just, it's, it's more helpful than me actually trying to sell them something. And it really just ties your whole story together when you're, when you were talking about like only promoting products that you would use or that you think would add value to your readers. 
And just going back to the beginning of your story and just knowing the struggle that you went through year after year and blog post after blog post to build this audience. And now if you're going to start leveraging that relationship by making some money off affiliate marketing, you're not going to just put any old product in front of these people who you've worked so hard to establish a relationship. And that's why I think just that struggle you had in the beginning is really an asset to you now in affiliate marketing, as opposed to someone who might just throw up a website with you know any old affiliate link just to try to generate some traffic and make a few bucks. Like you've got that audience, that real no that no like and trust relationship with your readers that it's just a very natural and very kind of organic way to to grow your business. And I think that's a tons and tons of value in that story for new bloggers looking to get into affiliate marketing. So I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Definitely. And and knowing your audience is so key when it comes to any sort of monetization. You know, like I I have a really good idea of, of who my average readers are, like who the people and I mean I get a lot of traffic just from Google. So these are people who don't necessarily follow my blog regularly, but they're finding my content because they're searching for something and coming to my site. And I still have obviously get an idea of who those people are. And so just knowing that audience really helps you figure out how to monetize better. So for example, you know, I know my audience are, um, tend to be mostly female, similar age to, to me who have jobs with, you know, disposable income and that sort of thing. So I know that when I'm, for example, suggesting hotels in like a, a destination guide, I'm not going to suggest hostels to them, but I'm also probably not going to suggest the very most expensive place in town because those just aren't right for that specific audience. So you kind of knowing your audience really helps you also figure out the best ways to monetize, you know, your content. Yeah, knowing that audience and and really treasuring that relationship you you've built with them and that trust that you've built because it's it's tough to build trust with an audience, but it's we all know that it's very easy to lose that trust if you start over leveraging that relationship in a, in a way just to, you know, just to, to shake them down for every last penny. That's, that's not a great long-term strategy. (laughs) So, so let's just move this kind of thinking about the future, Amanda, what is your biggest challenge in your business right now? Right now? Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, it's probably just kind of like keeping on top of everything. Like things in, in the digital space are changing so fast all the time, whether it's like a new algorithm on Instagram or, you know, Google changing how they're doing their search rankings or, um, you know, new apps and and networks and things that are coming out all the time. And, And there's a lot to kind of sift through. I mean, I get emails every single day from companies being like, hey, try out my new social platform, try out my new travel app, sign up for this, like try out this affiliate program. And you you really have to figure out how to like wade through all of that and be able to very quickly decide if like that's an opportunity that sounds good and that's something you should pursue or whether you should just hit that delete button or say, you know, no thanks. Um, so I think just the the constantly changing nature of the blogging world is is always going to be the most challenging thing for me. I mean, I'm at a point right now where, you know, I'm making a fairly steady living from this. I mean, along with affiliate marketing, I I do I have advertising on my blog which has been like a godsend. Um I'm a big fan of Mediavine, which is who I use as my ad network. So, I mean, I'm not stressing anymore about the money, which is amazing. Like that's that used to be what I stressed about all the time, especially those years when I when I was trying to travel long term and I was like broke all the time and had no money. Um it's it's nice to be beyond those days. So now it's more just like trying to figure out what the best like new business opportunities are going forward because it's always changing. We're talking with Amanda Williams. Her website is dangerous-business.com and she's at Dangerous Biz on all the socials. Amanda, before we let you go today, I got some rapid fire questions for you. Amanda, who has had the biggest positive impact on your business besides you? It's probably my husband, which mentioned him earlier in the podcast. I'm really lucky to have found someone who's super supportive of what I do and he understands that, you know, being a travel blogger, number one, that it's a real job, <laughs> that it's not just a made up thing. But number two, that, 
you know, it does require me to travel and to be away from home. And he's always supportive. He's never made me feel guilty for, you know, leaving him to go travel somewhere for a week or two. Um, and so that support has really just kind of like given me the the confidence and um, just the ability to, to travel more and to kind of chase bigger and, and better things with my business. Well, if I could just follow up on that, what advice do you have or what advice do you think he might have uh, for the spouses or significant others of someone who's trying to to make their living with a travel blog? I just think that support is so important because previously to being with him, I, I had dated someone when I was in graduate school that was not supportive of my travels or did not think that travel blogging could be my career. And, and he was very like dismissive of it. and you know, when I would say, oh, I'm going to plan a trip here, he would kind of, you know, like look down on it and be like, oh, but do you really need to go? And just, I think just that support that kind of like, yes, this is your job. This is awesome. You're really good at what you do. And I understand that like, you may need to go away sometimes. I think that's just the, the biggest thing. And I realized that that like level of, of understanding and acceptance of this kind of like still slightly nomadic lifestyle because I, I do travel at least like once a month. Um, I think that's probably not something that might be easy for some people to come to, but I think just really communication is really important. I mean, we don't need to go into relationship advice, but um, I think just being able to, to talk about that and to kind of like try and build that understanding is super important if you, if you are with someone who maybe can't travel with you all the time, like my husband. Well, relationships are part of life and they're certainly part of entrepreneurship. So let's plan another episode down the road. We'll talk, we'll talk about <laughs> relationships because that's, that's, that's a key topic and it's one that's near and dear to my heart because yeah. I know my, my wife is very supportive of what I do, but also but even with that support, her eyes tend to glaze over when I start talking about you know the nuts and bolts of, <laughs> you need the support, and but you also need people who can understand what you're going through as well. So that's another episode for another day. So- Amanda, being an entrepreneur and being a travel entrepreneur, especially, it's it's hard. And what is a uh, tactic that you can recommend just to fight through those tough times? A lot of times you just need to take a step back and look at the successes that you've had, maybe from like an outsider's perspective. There are plenty of days, even now, you know, when I'll, I'll log into maybe my Google Analytics or my advertising dashboard or something and be like, oh man, you know, Last week was not as good as I wanted it to be. And you can get really down on yourself and kind of feel like, uh, you know, what did I do wrong or why am I such a failure? But the, the fact of the matter is that most of the time, all of those those moments where you feel like that there, if you can take a step back and be like, wait a second, like, but look at all the good stuff that's happened in the past month or year. Or look where I am now as compared to six months ago. And if you can kind of step back and look at the bigger picture rather than like the one thing that's really niggling at you right now, I just think that it's overall way better for your mental health. <laughs> and and I think that there are some days when you just need to take a step back completely. You know, it's very easy to stress over super little things that might happen. I joke sometimes too that the travel blocking industry is sometimes like sometimes like high school. <laughs> like <laughs> it's uh you know, you've got you've got your cliques and you've got your people who you always feel like are way more cool and more successful than you are. And sometimes you just you, you need to take a break. So if it's, you know, just take a weekend off or maybe actually go on a real vacation where you're not a blogger. Um, we all need those days for our, our mental well-being as well. Yeah, I like what you said about not comparing or just comparing yourself to yourself six months ago, or even I like to just recommend to people and it's the, the hardest things in the world to do. And I'm terrible at it, but just not, don't compare yourself to anybody else except you yesterday. And that's, yeah. it's so hard to do, but it's, but it's so valuable when you can get that kind of clarity. Amanda, what is something that you were obsessed with in the beginning when you were starting out your blog that turned out to be unimportant? Oh man. <laughs> I think a thing that a lot of bloggers are obsessed obsessed with is checking stats constantly, whether it's, you know, how many visitors you had to your website yesterday or like how many new Instagram followers you have or whatever. And I think obsessively checking the numbers is just really it's it's not productive for sure. 
And it's not necessarily going to help you change those numbers overnight. So yeah, I'd say try not to obsess over the numbers. And and this goes back to the last question, you know, like it comparing today to yesterday is tough. Like really, you should be comparing today to a month ago or three months ago or six months ago to really see how much you've grown. Um, So kind of obsessing over the, the little, little tiny things, I think is usually not productive. And finally, Amanda, last question. I'm all about investing in yourself to, to improve your life and improve your business. What is the best investment you've made in yourself? Money wise, from just a business perspective, I mean, it's paying for things that are going to either help your business grow or just make life easier for you as a business owner. So for me, that's things like, you know, I pay a pretty good chunk of money every month for a good web host. Like I have a managed WordPress host who they not only host my site, but they, if I have an issue with a plugin or maybe something's not working on my site, I just send them an email and they deal with it. And not having to stress about the technical things that I don't understand is absolutely worth every single penny that I pay them. Um, so I think just investing in things that just make your life easier. Those those are the best investments because then that means, you know, I can spend the time that I may have spent stressing over something in the design of my website that I have no idea how to fix. And I can now spend that time, you know, writing a new blog post or maybe planning my next trip or something like that. So I think it's important too to just mention that, you know, in, in travel blogging, a lot of times you do need to spend some money to make money. And I know that's really tough when you're first starting out and, you know, maybe you're not making any money. But if you're if you're trying to take this seriously, like you have to be willing to invest money. I don't know any successful business owner out there who has not spent a cent on their business. It's just it's not possible. You have to be willing to put money in in order to get money out. So sometimes just forcing yourself to part with that extra money is really tough, but I think it's important to do. Agreed on all counts, Amanda. I've never been more aware of how many hours there are in a day as I have been in starting a business because you only get 24 of them. And if you don't have the time, then you have to invest the money to spend spend the time you do have doing the things that are the most important and move the needle the most in your business and in your life. Of course, we can't forget that we have our friends, our family, all these wonderful things outside of our business that we could be doing instead of trying to fix our websites. For example, (laughs) we have been chatting with Amanda Williams and you can check out Amanda's work at dangerous-business.com. Amanda's at Dangerous Biz on all the socials. And we referenced her online course earlier. That link is going to be up on dramatictravels.com as well as all of Amanda's contact information. Amanda Williams, huge pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. Thanks so much for having me. If you create travel content, then you know how important it is to truly connect with your audience. And podcasting is simply a phenomenal way to create those intimate connections. Podcasting lets you use the power of your voice to share your message, change people's lives, all while expanding your influence and growing your business. My friend, podcasting is a huge part of my dream life, and I want to help make it part of yours too. So if you're ready to start using the power of your voice, take that first step by going to dramaticpodcasting.com. And there you're going to find everything you need to start your podcasting journey from how to create and launch your podcast to how to grow your audience and start making money. It's all there, my friend. It's at dramaticpodcasting.com.